If you would, bow with me and let's pray as we turn our attention to the Word of the Lord. Father in heaven, even now, after such a beautiful and incredible presentation of the gospel, Lord, as the choir led us, as they sang, as they showed us the truth and the beauty in the good news that there is hope and there is hope in you and you alone, that you are the way, that you are the truth, that you are the life, and that no one comes to the Father, no one experiences the paradise of eternal life in your presence except through you, Lord Jesus. God, even now, after hearing that and hearing so many incredible passages from the text that you have passed down and preserved for us for thousands of generations, Lord, we, we ask that you would speak now. That, Father, in spite of an insufficient servant, that you would teach us. That, God, you might help us to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be motivated, and, Lord, even to be convicted by the truth of your holy word. So, Holy Spirit, would you come now? Would you speak to all of us as we seek to humbly sit at the foot of your throne and listen to your word, Holy Spirit? We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible with you, and I, I hope that you do, I encourage you to take it and turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. It is going to be a familiar passage, not only because we read it recently as Jason led us through these verses, but because it is one of the most famous passages in all of Christian history. If you didn't happen to bring your Bible with you today, please take a look at the pew in front of you and feel free to borrow a Bible from the back of the pew in front of you. If you don't own your own copy of Scripture, I encourage you to take that copy that is there on the back of the pew in front of you and keep it as our gift to you. Feel free to follow along on the screens or to look on your phone or iPad or to look in printed text. But however you might be accessing the word of the Lord, I would ask if you're physically able, would you please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's holy word as we are in the gospel of John chapter three. We'll begin in verse nine. The gospel of John chapter three will begin in verse nine and I'll read for us. Through verse 21, when I have completed the reading, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. If you're grateful for it, I encourage you to respond with the phrase, thanks be to God. Let's look together now at John chapter 3, beginning in verse 9. The word of the Lord says, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him, whoever believes in Him is 
not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. Light has come into the world. And the people loved the darkness rather than the light. Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. And does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for it. You may be seated. We come to this passage this morning, and you heard Pastor Jason read some of these verses to us earlier. And I just want to give us a little bit of background. I want to walk through some of this battle that took place this weekend some 2,000 years ago. We may not like to think of the world in spiritual realities because they're hard for us to wrap our mind around because we can't always see them and touch them. We like to focus on the things that are tangible, focus on the things we can feel and smell and see and hear. But About 2,000 years ago, there was an incredible battle between darkness and light. The darkness thought that it had overcome, but I assure you, the light overcame the darkness. And it's fitting that we turn to John chapter 3, because in John chapter 3, this man named Nicodemus, who was a religious teacher, who was one of the Pharisees, who was one of the most educated and devout followers of God that lived in that time. Yeah, I know they were the the butt of a lot of Jesus's jokes, so to say. They were the ones that Jesus directed a lot of his teaching at. But they were devout men chasing hard after following God faithfully. But Nicodemus could not go to Jesus in the open daylight because all the other Jewish leaders hated Jesus They were already infuriated with him and the things he was saying and the things he was doing. So Nicodemus goes in darkness, in the cover of night. And I apologize in advance, but I can't talk about Nicodemus going to see Jesus at night without making sure we're all aware that this is the first recorded instance of Nick at night. So if you ever were a fan of Nick at night, this is where it finds its origins I'm sorry, bad dad jokes, all I've got, corny jokes. Nicodemus goes to Jesus in the cover of night, which is symbolic in and of itself, right? He wants to know the truth, but he's still shrouded in darkness. And I'll have you know that after this whole conversation, after Jesus explains how to be saved so vividly to Nicodemus, we have no record that Nicodemus began to then follow Jesus from that moment forward. Unlike the other disciples, unlike those who left their professions, who left their jobs, who decided to become a student of Jesus and follow him for the rest of their lives, we have no record that Nicodemus began to do that. He had a hard conversation with Jesus and he was still shrouded in darkness. But Jesus does explain to Nicodemus how to be saved. And this is one of the only times in all of Scripture that we have from the very lips of Jesus how the gospel works. What the purpose of Jesus coming was altogether. He talks about this event that happened in the book of Numbers 
where the people had rebelled against God and his provision for them. And because of their rebellion, God allowed poisonous, venomous serpents to infiltrate the camp of the people. And people were being bitten by these serpents and dying a slow, excruciating death from the venom that the serpents carried. And so all the people come running to Moses and Moses goes to the Lord and begs for God to be gracious and begs for God to show them mercy. And God does show them mercy, but he doesn't show them mercy by making the serpents, by making the snakes go away. What he does is he tells Moses to take a pole and fashion a bronze serpent and mount it and affix it to that pole and raise that pole up high enough for everyone in the camp to be able to look to that pole and see that serpent. And anyone who is bitten by one of these venomous serpents, by these snakes, all they have to do is look to the bronze serpent that was lifted up in the midst of the wilderness and they will be healed. They will be saved. Jesus directs Nicodemus to this story because it is the story of the gospel. You and I have to understand God created a perfect world. God created this place, this garden that he called Eden, and he put humanity in this garden and their relationship with God was perfect. Can you imagine a relationship with someone that you love where there is no jealousy, where there is no coveting, where there is no unfaithfulness, where there is no sin present whatsoever? There is no selfishness. It is a sinless existence. And it is paradise. And every evening they walk with the Lord along the shores of the river that flows through the garden. And, and it's absolutely beautiful. It's, it's better than anything you can imagine or I can imagine. And God says, listen, I'm going to give you my human creation made in my own image. I'm going to give you this beautiful gift that's a two-edged sword. I want you to have free will. And free choice. Now God is omniscient. He knows everything there is to know. He knew exactly what we would do with that freedom. He knew exactly what we would do to the world with that freedom. But because He loves us, He gave us this choice. And Adam and Eve chose to do the one thing that God said don't do. He gave them the choice to stay in perfect relationship with Him. To trust Him as the one who would provide for all of their needs, for everything that they would want and need in existence. Or they could choose to go and eat from this tree. And if they choose to go and eat from this tree, they're choosing to be their own God. They're choosing to make their own decisions, to have knowledge and to try to be like God. And the irony of it is in trying to become like God, they rebel against God. And become less like God than they ever had in all their existence. And from that sin, sin perpetrates into every single heart and life that has ever existed. The reason that bad things happen is us. You want to know why there's cancer? Our sin. How could God allow for such evil atrocities like earthquakes and volcanoes? How could He allow for tsunamis? It's the punishment and the curse that is on this world because He gave us a choice and we chose betrayal. We chose to stab the one person in the back who loved us unconditionally and we chose to spit in His face. 
And so the entire world and all of existence is cursed because of our sin. You want to know why there's thievery, why there's killings, why there's murder? It's because we are sinful to the core and we turn from God at every opportunity that we are given. You know what God should have done once Adam and Eve chose to pick that fruit and rebel against him? God should have said, undo it all. Do we understand that the God who created everything, the God of the universe spoke and said, let there be and there was. So that same God could have simply said, let it be undone. And it was back to him. A perfect trinity in perfect existence with no creation at the sound of his voice. You didn't have to exist. I didn't have to exist. He should have wiped us from existence. But God. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, chose to make a beautiful plan to redeem us, to buy us back. We never deserved it. We could never earn it. And he chose to bestow this grace upon us. And so that's what we read in John 3.16, that the world was already condemned. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. Just as Jason read, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In our sinful state, we are condemned. We have rebelled against God. And I don't care who you are. I don't care who your parents are. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what color your skin is or what language you speak. Every single one of us is broken. And every single one of us comes from a broken house and a broken home and broken parents. Every one of us as parents, we in broken ways raise broken children because we're all riddled with sin. And we deserve to be killed. We deserve a punishment for that. And yet, even though we stand under that condemnation, even though God could justly and fairly wipe us from existence because of our betrayal, Because we looked at the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and said, nah, I got this on my own. He decided to give us relief from that condemnation. So that whoever believes in Him is not condemned. And then verse 19, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light. Because their works were evil. The light came into the world and we prefer the darkness. Listen to John 1, verses 1 through 5, and then John 1, verses 9 through 12. In the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus. And the Word was with God, that's Jesus. And the Word was God, that's God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. He was in the beginning with God. All things, all things, everything that was ever made, that ever existed, that ever would exist, all things were made through Him, through Jesus Jesus is there with God the Father and the Holy Spirit in Genesis. When they say, let there be, everything is made through Jesus. He's always existed. He's always been there. He's always been God. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. You want life? It's in Jesus. You want life? It's in Jesus. You think you're living life right now? If you're not in Jesus, you're not living life. You don't have life if you don't have Jesus The only way to have real life is to have Jesus in our lives. And He, as the life, the life was the light of men. He's the life. He is the light. The light shines in the darkness. And I want you to take this to heart. Nail it in the 
depths in the bottom of your brain and never forget the light has overcome the darkness. He is the light. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not, will not, shall not, cannot overcome it. Are you in the middle of the darkness of cancer? The light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. Can you make your ends meet and you bring in money and it seems to be all gone before the end of the month and you have no idea how you're going to make it? Let me tell you, that's a dark place to be. But the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. Is your marriage falling apart? Are your children off in the wilderness? They're prodigals and you wonder if they're ever going to come home and it's a dark place to be. But let me remind you, if you look to Jesus, He is life and He is the light and the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness will not overcome it. If you have Jesus, you have life. And you have a light that can never be snuffed out. The true light, verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone, even in the darkest of situations, even in the darkest moment of your soul, there is true light and life available to you. He was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Not only does he give us life, not only does he give us light, but he gives us the right to become children of God. No matter what you face in this world, I want you to understand, I want us to get that Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the dead proves to us forever, no matter how bad life gets, that God loves you. That God has been there. That He experiences it. That you're not left. That you're not abandoned. That He hasn't forgotten you. Jesus died on the cross as the ultimate, eternal, forever proof that God loves you unconditionally, unfathomably deep, beyond heights of heights. He loves you. He did this for you. I want you to understand if you were the only sinner on the whole planet, if you were the only sinner who would ever exist, Jesus still would have died for you. He did it because He loves you. This is the love of God that He would give His only Son to overcome the darkness and give us light. Listen to what He tells His disciples in John sixteen thirty three. He says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation. You're going to have hard days. You're going to have days where you think there's no way that that Resurrection Sunday phony baloney junk is true. Because look at what's going on in my life. If God loved me, there's no way He'd let me go through this. There's no way He'd let me experience this. Whatever your this is Jesus knew it was coming and he said you will have that tribulation it will come but take heart because the darkness has not overcome but Jesus has overcome the world Jesus has overcome the world and he's been there where you are he's not callous he understands in Hebrews chapter 4 it tells us that we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with us in our weakness, but one who in every aspect was tempted and tried as we are. If you think, there's no way that God could love me because He let my child die. I I want you to understand something. 
That is a hurt and a pain that no parent should ever experience. And if you're walking through that, may God bless you and be with you. But I want you to know that God's not callous. He knows that hurt. That's what we're here about this morning. He sent His Son. No matter the trial, no matter the hurt, God's felt it. He's been there. He let His only Son die. The Scripture tells us that He turned His face. And for the first and only time in all of eternity, the presence and the goodness of God the Father was turned away from Jesus as all of the sin and the black and the ugly and the murk and the muck of who we are and what we've done was laid upon Jesus and God felt that hurt of losing His child. He knows. He's been there. He's walked those roads with you. And then He overcame. His son was dead and placed in a tomb. And three days later, he bust up out of that tomb because the grave couldn't hold him. And I want us to understand that even when we lose children, even when we lose parents, even when we lose loved ones, even when we fight cancer, even when this world does everything to kill us, to steal our joy, to destroy our hope, we have a hope that is imperishable, a hope that is eternal. Because one day when we get planted in that grave, there's going to be a day when that seed has passed away away and that perishable body is done and God sounds the trumpet and he steps out on the clouds and everyone who has died in Christ Jesus will be raised from the dead then the darkness will not overcome do you believe that this morning are you sitting in the darkness and have forgotten that there is light let me tell you something there is light and there is life and it is in Jesus he's been where you are He's hurt like you hurt. And He loves you. He knows everything about you. And He loves you anyway. He knows everything about how sinful and terrible I am. And He loves me anyway. And died for me anyway. This Easter Sunday, don't don't just pass by this day and not recognize what's happened. There's life. Death no longer has a hold on us. Death no longer has a sting for us. Death no longer has a victory. But praise be to God, we have victory in Jesus. I want to make sure you know that victory is only in Jesus. There's no other way. There's no other name. And I want you to understand, even Nicodemus, with all his doubts, with all his struggles, with all that he did, to maybe follow Jesus, maybe not. I don't know. Am I in? Am I out? There came a day when Jesus said, Jesus is the only way. And no matter what they do to me, no matter what happens, I'm going to follow Jesus. Look with me. John chapter 19, verses 38 through 40. John chapter 19. The Bible tells us after these things, after Jesus was crucified and He was on the cross and He was dead, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, Joseph, said to be a disciple. But secretly, secretly, for fear of the Jews, secretly no longer, he asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. 
Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night. He came in the darkness. He came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. The financial contribution that Nicodemus makes here is beyond reckoning. So they, Joseph and Nicodemus, took this dead, beaten, bloodied body off of the cross. They bound it with spices. And as is the burial custom of the Jews, they put it in a tomb. Folks, there came a time when Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea said, we're not playing around anymore. I'm not going to do this half in, half out. Maybe I'll follow, maybe I won't. Wishy-washy Christianity. They came out of the darkness and they came into the light. I want to ask this morning, are you still living in the darkness? I want to ask you this morning, would you come into the light of Jesus? Would you trust in Him and devote your life to Him and choose to follow Him from now throughout eternity? Even though tribulation will come, even though persecution will come, even though darkness will try to overtake you, will you choose to have life? Will you choose to step into the light? And maybe you've already been walking in the light, but you're in one of those seasons of life where the darkness is just pressed in from every corner. I want you to know that in a moment we're going to have a time to respond. And I just want to urge you and beg you and plead that you would respond to Jesus and beg for His light to shine upon you this morning. You can do that where you are. You can turn around right where you are and make that pew your own personal altar. You can come to these steps and use these steps as an altar. You can use the song as your prayer that Jason's going to lead us in. But I beg you, if you've been walking in the darkness and the darkness has tried to overcome you, come back to the light. If you've been living in darkness and you've never experienced the light of life, the life of humanity that is Jesus, Would you trust in Him today? Would you commit to follow Him? Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, it's it's beyond what we can imagine. It's beyond what I could ever dream up. But You made a way where there was no way. Where there should have been no way. Lord, I just pray this morning, this Easter, this Resurrection Sunday, that You would not allow anyone to leave this place And linger in the darkness. But you would shine the light of your glory. The goodness of your gospel upon our hearts. The Holy Spirit, you would draw us unto yourself. That we might trust and believe. That we might follow hard after you. That we might remember there is victory. But that victory is only in you, Lord Jesus. Father, whether it's for the first time ever or whether... It's just through a dark season of life. Call us into the light. Help us to respond in obedience. We ask this in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit.